Welcome to the Felt Recall Podcast. Nice to have you here. My name is Chris, and across from me is the just always, always optimistic Patrick Hulon. How are you, sir? Terrible. <laughs> See what I mean? See what I mean. Ah, kid. Patrick, do you have children? Yes. Mm. Patrick. I have a child, actually. Oh, a child. Have you been introduced yet to the misery that is Coco Melon? Are you lucky enough to not know what that is? No, I don't know what that is. I, my child is not quite two yet. Okay. So we're still learning words. Yeah. We're kind of flirting with learning colors. Numbers are off limits right now. Uh, one day, one day you might know my misery. Um, and I'm thinking of that because, you know, you put the kids to bed just before you come down and do your podcast in my house. That's the way things work. Somewhere around Christmas this year, there was this big run on these Coco Melon toys. And I remember seeing the article and thinking, I'm glad my kids don't know what that is. Was and then Coco Melon, wasn't that the left fielder for the Orioles in the 80s? <laughs> I I, uh, okay. I have no idea. I don't even know what that reference is for the joke to be funny. There's there me. is there isn't one. Oh, it no. just sounds like the name of some obscure baseball player that I would never actually know who it oh. is. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I was just making fun of you mostly. You're not wrong to make fun of me for it. Um Coco Melon is basically like uh this YouTube channel. I don't know, maybe it's got other things and they d- redo these kids songs. Like nursery rhymes, but then they also, I don't know if they like write their own songs or not. Somewhere around Christmas, there was a run on their toy, right? And I remember thinking, what a different world it is now because kids these days, they don't, they don't really get the commercials like they do on YouTube, right? If they're watching YouTube ads in our household, that is the least consumed media by our children. Uh, we do Disney Plus, Amazon, Kids Plus, things like that. And uh, that's where our kids like get their entertainment, as it were. Uh, but then these guys do, um, you know, somehow these other kids have found out about Coco Melon. So I thought I'm very lucky to be in a house that doesn't know what Coco Melon is. And then before I knew it, uh, my daughter had discovered it. And now that's kind of her go to bed thing is she wants to to listen to, you know, music like uh, Coco Melon type stuff. And uh I don't know. It's a it's a bit, I'd say, terrifying. It's almost like, I don't know if these Japanese people are, are making it and then dubbing. You ever see a, 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 a movie like that where it's in a foreign language, sure. but they dub it? Yeah. Uh, how awkward that is. That's, that's the same way with these. It's uh, just a really awkward experience. Anyway, now I have to go through like, eight to ten minutes of that every night, and it's basically torture. One day you will be there, and you will understand. Yeah, we're on Puppy Dog Pals right now, which is... Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. It wouldn't be so bad, but they it's like every five minutes that song happens. So it tends to kind of like beat it into your head. Right. Puppy Dogs. Yeah. You know who made that show, right? You paid attention to that? No. Okay. That's uh, Harland Williams, I think is his name. 
that right? Uh, do you remember there's something about Mary where he yeah. picks up the hitchhiker with yeah. the body in the car? That's him. Yeah. That's the guy that invented Puppy Dog Pals. Yeah. Is that strange to think about? And he's in Half-Baked, I think. He was in Half-Baked as well. What is his name? Dumb Harlan Williams, right? Is he? He's a cop and dumb. Yeah, dumb. yeah. He's the cop and dumb and dumber. Yep, exactly. Yep. Harlan Williams. Yeah, it's just kind of uh, crazy how worlds end up colliding like that. Okay, uh, this is evil human being. <laughs> this is episode one thirty seven of the Felt Recall podcast. We're glad you're here. Uh, starting it off with a rant about the things our children listen to. Our charity of choice this week is the Lexington Rescue Run. It's happening this coming Saturday morning, March thirteenth. They'll be running. So if you're listening to this as it's released, there's still time to get online at Lexington Rescue Run and register yourself. You can come out and run the race, and your pro- the proceeds from the money you spend will go directly to Operation Underground Railroad. They exist to rescue children from human trafficking around the world. Not the conspiracy theory that Vice Media would have you believe. I'll have you know that the country of Thailand last week uh, basically issued a proclamation of thanks to Operation Underground Railroad for all of its efforts in Thailand stopping the sex tourism trade in their country. And they have funded uh, basically a facility there that helps train Thai police officers on the signs of trafficking and how to stop it. Anyway, Vice is full of liars and really, really bad people who, for some reason, hate the idea of stopping human trafficking. Uh, but that's a whole other subject. Since 2013, Operation Underground Railroad has gathered experts from around the world in extraction operations and anti-child trafficking efforts. They're trying to bring an end to child slavery. You can help with that. If you're going to be in the Columbia area this coming weekend and you want to get out, get some fresh air in the morning, and then go enjoy your day and do good LexingtonRescueRun.com. LexingtonRescueRun.com. Okay. There's a lot to get to. I have a life theory I'm going to ask you to poke holes in first. Be glad to. We're going to talk about how cancel culture, cancel culture is suddenly bringing everyone together. It's an amazing thing. I think maybe cancel culture is exactly what we've needed as America, maybe it's the tumor that has identified the cancer within, and now we can get in and fix it. Because I do believe, I can't think of another time I've ever agreed with Piers Morgan. And he was on Fox and Friends recently and made a statement that I'll share with you in a few minutes, and uh, we'll bring it up. Plus, uh, the Biden administration going after guns, even though they always call us crazy. When we say they're going to go after your guns, oh, no, they're not. They love the Second Amendment and buy your shotgun and all that craziness. Uh, not this time. Not this time. Uh, Biden's back in Congress's plan for gun control. We'll tell you more about that. And the CDC, with some crazy guidelines, they're going to be our vote of the week is the CDC. But they're telling you, if you've had the vaccine, now here's how you can behave. You've been vaccinated. Thank you for getting in line and doing as you're told, like the rabid little dog you are, you dirty American. Uh, But now here's what you're allowed to do since you've had the vaccine. All right, life theory. Poke holes in it. Tell me where I'm wrong. All right. But it occurs to me, I had to go. What'd you wish for? uh, Thank you. I had to head up. I was up near Asheville, North Carolina. And I'm driving around Asheville. I knew I smelled patchouli when I got here. (laughs) Here I am. 
there's a couple of things I want to say, but let me get to my life theory first. It was affirmed to me, by the way, that COVID has definitely become everybody's reason for being lazy, not doing work, and being rude to people. Everyone is still doing that. Now, I must preface, anyone that knows me knows, I'm taking full advantage. I pull up to your restaurant. I don't feel like getting out of my car. And if you're going to put a sign up that's like, for safety reasons, call this number and we'll bring your food out to you. Yeah, perfect. Come on. Come on. Bring that food on out. I'm not getting out of the car. I'm lazy. So good for me in that sense. Bad for all of us when it comes down to, like, the rudeness, the rudeness that's perpetuating itself from COVID. It's unbelievable to me how stupid society has become because they're a little bit afraid. Well, they're a lot of afraid over an illness that has a very small likelihood of hurting you, right? And then they go, well, we don't know. We don't know the long-term effects. Can I ask, Please. Uh, who, who is it that we're talking about specifically that has an attitude problem? Well, a lot of businesses is what I was going to say. Okay, so so here's my theory on it. Mm, tell Maybe me. Maybe where we messed up was we called the TikTok nurses heroes, and we didn't call the guys flipping burgers heroes. Yeah. And so they got a little chip on their shoulder that now. That could be it. And they're, they're taking it out on you because you're that the lazy guy it. that's making them walk the food out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's be a little more specific. <clears throat> my son and I ride a lot of bikes. You know this. We're a bike family. Everyone in the family has a nice working bike now. Uh, enough that my daughter's, her real bike is on order. It's coming here. There's a shortage of bikes. If you don't know this, now you do. Um, you cannot really find the bike you want right now. You take the bike you can get for a large part unless you're willing to wait. And we were willing to wait for her bike. <clears throat> Funny side note, you'll appreciate this. Anybody with a wife can appreciate this story. Uh, I walked my two youngest kids into a bike shop several weeks ago. And the, the staff there was really friendly. This, this separate from the, the shop I'm about to tell you about. But the staff at that bike shop was super duper friendly. Didn't require masks. Didn't care. They weren't wearing masks. Wanted to talk to you. So... That was nice. There was no pressure. He didn't seem to care if we bought anything, but not in a rude way, right? He was still very accommodating and wanted to talk. So there's a difference between not being a pushy salesman, right, and, sure. and then being a kind of a blasé salesman where you don't care either way and you just want the person out the door, tired of dealing with them, which is what we dealt with over the weekend that I'll tell you about in a second. Uh, anyway, my daughter gets on a bike. She rides it around the shop. I take a video of it, and I send it to my wife, thinking my wife will immediately see it and say, oh, she loves it. She looks so happy, except that what my wife actually said was, absolutely not. It's really ugly. <laughs> and so I had to break my daughter's heart. Of course, I'm the only parent there, so I have to be the one to say no, yeah. even though my wife is doing it digitally. Now, thinking back on it, if I was smart, I'd have hit the FaceTime button and said to my daughter, your mother has something to tell you. To your face. I would have made her do it. Yeah, you're going to have to use that technology to your advantage. Uh, but I didn't. Uh, but what I was able to do was pull my phone up and say, hey, look, they make that, but they make it in this color. Wouldn't you rather have this color? And she said, yes, I would. And I said, okay, we'll go ahead and we'll buy it, and then they'll send it to us. We'll get it later. Uh, 
which is half true. It's going to the shop. They'll put it together. We'll go pick it up and have a special day for it. But anyway, here's the point. Um, that shop was very accommodating. They were happy to see us. They, you know, they recognized we were there to spend money and, and wanted to take our money. And then my son and I end up in this shop this weekend and we're walking in and at the front, now it's in Brevard, North Carolina. So it's about an hour drive from my house. But we're going mountain biking, and I have rented a bike that I'm thinking of buying. And so, in preparation for the ride, I'm drinking my fluids, right? Uh, I have a pre-ride. Jägermeister. Jägermeister. Some gold slogger. Yep. And then when we get in the parking lot, I polish off the Grand Marnier, and then we walk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got Cavassier. Uh, so I, we go in. Uh, we're walking in, and I said to him, man, I have to pee so bad it hurts. I had to go real bad. Because I had probably 40 ounces between the house and there. But, uh, again, there's there's a 16-ounce pre-ride. You know, fuel thing I'm drinking, like electrolytes heavy. And uh, and then I just had my regular water I was sipping as well. And probably the cup of coffee from, you know, earlier that morning. <clears throat> and so it's, you know, Saturday morning. It's busy. It's a bike shop right next to Pisgah on a Saturday. Of course it's busy. I pull up. There's cars everywhere. We walk down to the bottom. And I go. Uh, we walk in the door. says masks required. And then... It also says it's not free to pee. Restroom for customers only. Well, I'm a customer, right? So I think, man, that kind of comes across a little rude. I hate stuff like that. I hate it. I hate it. It's like a sore spot for me when companies, like I, like I mentioned a week or two ago, the, com- the barbecue joint in town that says if you're healthy and hungry, but there's no scale or BMI calculator at the door, that's not really what they're talking <laughs> about. They don't care if you're, look, this is a, this is a restaurant who solely deals in foods that are known to clog your arteries and kill you. (laughs) And they want to tell you, you have to be healthy to eat there. Okay. Okay. Yes. You must have never had barbecue before. (laughs) Right. So stupid. It's just this drama, this celebration of self-worth, you know, like look at how healthy and aware we are, how attentive we are to the needs of others. We care about you. We are so magnanimous. Look at us, right? Worship at our altar. We care. No, you don't. You're well, feeding people grease well, and fried it's, potatoes every it's, day. It's a little bit of like, well, we care more than the other guy. Right. We're, we're more That's compassionate true. than the barbecue place a mile down the road. <laughs> that is true. And you need to remember that, and you need to exalt us for it. They've been, man, that place, I don't want to get too far off course, but that place has gone the extra mile. To be disingenuous, like just <laughs> exactly what you said. They attacked another place, said we're not them. Uh, they, I don't, and it, it, I stick with watching them because now it's like a train wreck. Like you just can't look away. It's like, well, you know, you could just unfollow them. You don't have to see their updates, but it's like, no, no, no. I actually kind of enjoy it because it's so ridiculous, you know? I'm not it's like to get a bad off track movie. here, but uh, my wife and I had a long conversation this weekend about Facebook specifically and, we both sort of agreed that the reason why we're on it is just for those types of moments. Yeah. Like we send pictures of our kid to the people we care about already. Yeah. Uh, don't really care if the rest of the world sees that stuff. So right. we're not big sharers on, on social media. Yeah. And so we, you know, we got talking about, well, what is the point then? Yeah. You know, it, you're, 
you're, you know, you're pushing 40. What are we doing on social media? I'm not out here trying to impress people. I don't have a lot of followers. I'm not selling a product, you know, like what, what are we doing? And my wife was like, well, I mean, honestly, she's like, it's, it's pretty much just entertainment. She's like all these people, you know, like I went to high school with, they're kind of a train wreck. It just, it's something fun to watch. It's just a good time. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good time for all the good uh, for all the wrong reasons. I wasn't mad at her about it. I'm, I'm pretty much in full agreement. So, so we walk into this bike shop where it says it's not free to pee. You have to be a customer to use their restroom. Again, I think that's dumb. Um, I've had plenty of businesses earn my business. Great example: the mechanic that I use to this day. If I need a mechanic to work on my car, the first guy I will go to is Steve's Auto because back in the day when I bought one of my first cars, suddenly the clutch didn't work. I don't know if you know this. I'm not a mechanic. What? Yeah, I don't know what the furthest thing from a mechanic is, but that's me. I'm surprised. So I guess I do know what it is. Wait a second. I was going to say I'm surprised you know what the clutch is, but just because Mm. you said the word clutch doesn't mean you actually know what it is. I I was grinding my gears. I said, uh... I had this... Uh, Quite literally, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. You know what's funny is... Uh, I had... What was it? A 90... I would have bought it in 97-ish. No, 98. So I think it was a 95 Civic. I'm pretty sure it was a 95 Civic. I bought it with 125,000 miles on it, and I drove it till it had 300,000 miles on it. I loved that car. Some dude's probably still driving it right now. Yeah, man. And that car went all across the country with me. It let me beat it to hell and back again and rarely let me down. And on this occasion, I got done with work. I was a pizza delivery driver, right? Irony of all ironies. And then my car wouldn't start at the end of the night. I went back to get my car. No, no, no. It started, but depressing the clutch did nothing. There was no resistance. So I called Totra. I called my dad. What do I do? My dad's like, tow it to Steve's. So I tow it to Steve's. Go to Steve's the next day. He calls me. Hey, man, car's ready. Come get it. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, come on, no charge, no big deal. I'm like, what? He's like, no charge, come on, I'll show you. Okay. So I go down there. He's like, yeah, so you see this uh, See this thing right here? Yeah. That's where your uh, clutch fluid goes. And I go, there's clutch fluid? And he goes, goes right here. I said, no kidding. He goes, yeah, I just put a bottle in it. You're good. I said, well, I mean, what do I owe you? Oh, nothing. Nothing, man. Nothing. You're good. Just come see me if you have a real problem. I, I'm i 40 years old now. I was 17 or 18 when that happened. That's still the first place I think to go. If there's a problem, that's All the right. dude I go to. My point is, it was free to pee there. Right, like you could walk in there and get what you needed as a decent human being doing decent things for people. That's how he earned the business. So to walk in, and that's the sign at the doors, it's kind of off-putting. And then they have all these signs everywhere telling you they're not a restaurant, don't bring your food inside, all this weird stuff. And I think... When I see that stuff, I start to think, am I in a bad neighborhood Right. Like, what's going on around here that we have to post these things? So I think particularly and specifically to this place, they're tired of the quote-unquote tourists, right? Sure. Of course, of course, 
they exist solely off the public dime. They are a welfare company when you think about it because it's Pisgah National Forest at their back door. So our money is funding the fact that people come to where they are. By the way, by the way, in case you don't know, the Vanderbilt family that everyone would want to scowl at made Pisgah possible. So let's not act like there's not an advantage to the private enterprise side of things. Pisgah wouldn't exist without the Vanderbilts. So suck it, Marxist. You're wrong. Capitalism for the win on that one. I digress. My point is that shop has taken this whole thing and the barbecue restaurant has taken this whole thing to just the nth degree on we will be rude to you and we will be in. Now, here's the, here's the weird part. The staff is friendly. Like the people in there were, were decent people. They were nice to us. There was nobody there to be rude to us. But all the signs are so off-putting. It's like, what kind of people have you become where these are the things you want to hang? Back to my original point, by the way. I had to pee so bad it hurt. Can't pee for free. We go in. You want to know what? Restroom's closed because of COVID. The door's <laughs> wide open. There's a rope hanging. Restroom's closed because of COVID. You got to pee? Go out in the parking lot. And you walk all the way to the back of the parking lot. And I'm not talking like where you parked parking lot, where you parked, and then some for the porta potties. And I was just laugh. I was tickled pink, just tickled pink about the whole scenario because it's like, you want to be healthy? Go outside and look at somebody else's turd while you do your business because you can't flush out here because it's porta potty. <laughs> My poor son, he had to go as well, and he hops in there. And I kid you not, eight years old, eight years old, he comes out of that porta potty and goes, I mean, that's dirtier than coronavirus. And I was like, yeah, you got that right. You got that right. It's an unbelievable thing we've done to ourselves as a society. We're such an indecent people now because we're so afraid. And that was the conversation I was able to have with my son. So in a way, I'm grateful because I said to him, you know what it is? It's that people are easily manipulated by fear. If you can make people afraid of something, they will buy whatever you're selling. They will buy whatever you're selling. It's true with nearly every marketing campaign Especially in existence. Free vaccines. Free vaccines. <laughs> they will definitely Abs- buy that. They'll sign right up. They'll sign right up. And then the big pharma friends of the big government make a heck of a lot of money off you and me. Listen, nothing free from the government, right? They want to act like it's free. Who paid for it? You and I paid for it with a $1.9 trillion relief bill they're pushing I through. I think actually our grandkids' grandkids are paying for it. There's just no way to fathom that amount of money, is there? No way to fathom it. So anyway, that's my thought on that. But as a side note, here's the, the theory of humanity I need you to punch holes in, okay? As we're driving, it occurs to me, I think I'm right here. I believe an individual's maturity level, political ideology, and possibly age range. Mm. I'll take that one back. The political ideology and maturity level of an individual are quickly determined by the amount of bumper stickers they have on their car. (laughs) Because there's only one type of person who is doing that. And that like, like all of them, right? So there's two types of people, maybe three. 
There's the purest, no bumper stickers on my car, right? That's my dad. Don't put, why would you put stickers on your car? It's dumb. Don't do it. And then there's people like you, me, and my mom who one or two, but they got to mean something. You got to have an impact on you to put them up there, you know? Um, so we put those stickers on, but not a lot. And then, and then there's that person with all of them. And very, very rarely is that person not either a screaming diehard liberal or a teenager, right? And here's what those two people share in common. The only way they know to convince anyone of what they believe is to be loud and aggressive about it. And an easy way to be loud and aggressive about things in almost a um, non-confrontational manner, right? Sure. Is to put a bunch of bumper stickers on the back of your car. Well, it's very passive-aggressive. That's what I was looking for. It's, it's yes. Pat- so, and I'm going to draw the correlation here between the story about uh, your bathroom sign and the bumper stickers. They're both passive-aggressive. Right. They're both unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing, thing about bumper stickers to me is I feel like if you can, especially political bumper stickers, if you can summarize your political ideology in a bumper sticker, it's probably not that well thought out. <laughs> Dude, wait. Let's pause. That should be a bumper sticker in and of itself. <laughs> My political ideology is not well thought out. <laughs> Just let. How many people would buy that? I'd buy that. that is I can rock one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I remember having a, a conversation. Uh, I think my dad, he was not a bumper sticker guy. And I remember asking him one day, I, was, I must have been really little. I think I asked him why he didn't have any stickers on his car. And. His answer was, uh, I'm going to mess it up, but paraphrasing something to the effect of, you know, basically kind of cheapen the look of your car. Sure. Yeah. Kind of makes it look like a little junky. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that always stuck with me. Yeah. So even like when I was in high school, I had a couple, but it was like, like you said, pretty well thought out. Mm -hmm. Like this was, this was, I was really going to bring it in tight yeah not a bunch of junk everywhere happen you know that just happened to slap them wherever and it's a very rare teenager that gets their first car and thinks and doesn't well and doesn't but <laughs> but also would think about well how do i maintain the value of this vehicle which i will one day sell and upgrade to another vehicle right, right? like i remember buying my civic and thinking i'll never need another car i'll just drive this forever you know and I also remember paying that car off in like three years with the help of my parents, you know. Um, and, and we got it paid off, and then I drove it for like seven more. Not a joke. Like drove that thing forever until I was nearly 30 years old. Yeah. I love that car. It's it right now. So anyway, nobody's. it's a rare kid that's that forward thinking to think, well, I don't want to devalue it by slapping stickers all over it. Heck no, I want to make this mine. It's my car. Right. Slap. DMB Fire Dancer right on the back. What you got? You know, that kind of stuff. That's right. I don't, I don't, I don't hate anybody for it. Anyway, um, I just thought that was funny because we were in Asheville 
went up this cool bike park up there and we were behind a car and I saw all the bumper stickers and I just immediately knew what they were going to be when we got up on them. It's either a kid with a bunch of bands, you know, or his, uh, maybe, maybe, you know, some people do their DNR stickers if that's even still a thing. I remember that was a thing back in the day. You had to have DNR decals to get on DNR property type stuff. You remember that? No, I, don't, I don't remember that. People one. would collect them on the back. I'm not actually, I got to say, I'm not sure what they were for. They might have just been when you were renewing your hunting license. Think, you yeah, got I think one. They used to give out stickers and, when you and they would put it up there. License. Uh, but I remember it, kids collecting those and putting them around when I was a kid. And, uh, they, you know, it was like a sign of being cool or something. Like you went outside every now and then. I don't, I don't know what it meant. But, uh, uh, as soon as we started pulling up in that car, I was like, it's either an angry liberal, which, you know, that's redundant, or it's uh, a kid. And then it was. It was this old dude driving through Asheville with all the appreciate accoutrement. Had a coexist sticker or yeah. something like that. That's my, that's my favorite. Ideologies. That is my favorite. Favorite, yeah. I always want to say, tell that to the sea. Tell it to the sea. You want to put that crescent and star on something and tell it to get along with everybody? Go right ahead. I feel like whenever you find that liberal that's driving like a, you know, a 87 Land Cruiser <laughs> with the quarter panels are rusted out. Right. You got like one tire that's kind of slack. Yeah. You know, the, the paint's pretty much gone down to primer. <laughs> you know, it just... Ratty, ratty yeah. interior, and yeah. they always they have all those stickers. But you're all almost always these days going to find a Bernie sticker, yeah, featured very prominently. Yeah, <sighs> right next to the "Not My President" sticker. Oh yeah, which is funny because the reason Bernie's not your president is because of the very party you support. But that's all right. That's all right. Anyway, all right. I think that says something, um, and I, I don't know what it says. I just know it says something. The, the The idea, by the way, of this cancel culture that we live in, which is funny because you do have to be afraid now. It, we've we've said this like in the background, maybe. You're almost painted as like an old guy, like it's an okay boomer moment to say that it's really hard to be a straight white male in yeah. the world anymore. I didn't know. There was a Women's Heritage Month or whatever we're in now, International Women's Month. Do you know that? The other day it was News International Women's Day, which is cool, right? I'm all about celebrating Wait, so people. Who, yeah. who's, who's celebrating that? What do you mean? Are the people, oh, the, are the people women. that believe women that is the answer. 27 genders? Are they oh. the ones? <laughs> yeah, no, so, no, they're not allowed. So are we going to have like a non-binary fluid Person's Day now? First of all, first of all, you just hit on a really good idea. Next year, let's you and I go out, have beers all over the town. And I like when, this idea so far. And when people say, what are you doing? We're going to say, celebrating International Women's Day. And they're like, why? <laughs> we'll say, dare you assume? Dare you assume? Yeah. Sounds like drinks are on the house. <laughs> yeah, I'm not paying this tab. <laughs> Do you have Pappy? <laughs> you, don't, you don't want CNN up in here. Um, I didn't know that. I do think it'd be cool to be like a, a gay black woman because you get three months now. So that's cool, right? That's got to be worth something. It's like a hat trick. I learned there's, an, uh, there's like a Women's Hall of Fame. Did you see that? They're going to put Michelle Obama in the Women's Hall of Fame, which is ironic because the Men's Hall of Fame 
is the White House, right? It's weird. Like, we've got that. So, like, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in Cleveland. Yes. So, not knowing. Yes. Could I just maybe guess where the Women's Hall of Fame is? Please do it. Topeka. <laughs> Any particular reason it would be Topeka? No, I just felt like it's another crappy city where the Hall of Fame might be. I'm going to say Benton Harbor, Michigan. Yeah, I think it's in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Felt like you went out way on a limb on that one. Well, that's the headquarter location for KitchenAid. <laughs> <laughs> so if you, if you do a quick Google right, search. You win. <laughs> if it's not there yet, we will plant a flag and build one. It's so funny to me. Maybe we should go there next year for International Women's Day and just stand out front and be like, <laughs> well done. And then they come out, what are you, what are you guys doing? Celebrating you guys <laughs> yeah. and all that you've done for us. Uh, Isn't it funny, though? Like, it's such a it's such a terrible thing to laugh about. But, <clears throat> like, yes. What, dishwashers? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh <laughs> Yes, as a society, we should progress to the point where everybody understands that everyone is equal to each other, right? We need to truly embrace. But, Chris, if we do that, we can't keep having special days for people. <laughs> right. That's the point. That's yeah. the point. I mean, clearly it says all men are created equal. But clearly it says men. No. Uh, <laughs> we, we have to acknowledge everyone is, is an equal to everyone else. But we can't lose sight of the fact that men and women are just different. That we were created equally, but we're also created differently. There's two different things happening here. There's the equality on a moral level of your life and your well-being is worth no more or less than mine. We are equals as human beings. But we can't pretend for a quick minute. Nobody can. No one with logic and children could ever pretend that men and women function in the same way. We are different creatures. We're different beings. We think differently. We do things differently. Women nurture much more naturally than men ever will. You know, take your kid out for a bike ride and they spill real hard. Men laugh about it. Women worry about it, you know. And so we're just different creatures. So, yes, you want society to be in that position where we take care of each other and we treat each other with, again, common decency. Yeah. But you're, I'm kind of tired of having my nose rubbed in everything. Like there has to be a month for everything that I have to stop down and appreciate all of a sudden when the world has gone this long without having to stop down and appreciate it, and we've gotten to these great places where we are, you know? It's just well, a weird I think, thing. I think woke culture and cancel culture is in this like weird stage of denial about that. Yes, I would agree with that. I think people want to be martyrs. Sure. And that's what cancel well, culture I mean, has So that for. makes me think, like, are feminists celebrating World Women's Day? Because they're so mad. I don't even know if they want to be women. I mean, it's like, too hard. Like, like, what are we doing here? Like, who are you angry at? Men. For what? What? How? How do you think feminists feel about... Is it trans? Are you a transgender man? If you're a girl that thinks she's a boy, are you a transgender How is that man? Not appropriating culture. 
Boom. Podcast over. Okay. Should well, be the last you. thing we ever say. All right. It's different. My work here is done. It's different. It's much different. If you're so are you you're, are you a transgender man if you're a woman that thinks she's a man or are you a transgendered woman? Which way does it work? Are you the yes. transgendered are you the transgendered to the gender you want to be or the gender yes, you I are? I think that's what it is. I th- maybe I can never keep it straight. It's much too hard. Anyway, they can't keep it straight either, Chris. Yeah, it'll change next week. How do how do feminists feel about those quote unquote men? I don't know. Are they mad at them? Like, hey, uh, everyone, I'm just not going to be Barbara anymore. Maybe Bill. Like, do the feminists get upset about that? Are they like, how could you? What a betrayal! But also, okay, accepted. Or do they embrace the Bruce Jenners of the world that want to be a woman? Right. Like, you're so brave. We're so proud of you. Welcome to the tribe. Yeah. I've all, I, I stand by, and I believe, um, the transgender community uh, will be the worst thing that the homosexual community has ever embraced. Um, and, and, and allowed to really infiltrate their ranks, if you will, because there is no denying that that's a choice. You have to go to the doctor and pay sure. money. Yeah, You have to go to the doctor and pay money to have that happen. Um, the studies speak for themselves. The science is out there if you want to look or at it. Or you could join the military under the Biden administration. True. And then you, sir, can pay for it. I'll pay for that operation. But right. they still chose to have the operation due to what is, by no stretch of the imagination, a mental health crisis that they are in called gender dysphoria, right? And all the science, if you're willing to read it, says that that is, a, I mean, it's no different than an anorexic. There's nothing, there's no difference between a, a, a morbidly thin woman who looks in the mirror and sees a fat woman who shouldn't eat anymore or who believes that eating will make them gross and fat and unattractive, there's no difference between that person and the person who looks in the mirror and thinks, I, I should have been a boy or I should have been a girl. There's no difference. It's, it's a mental health crisis, and there's, they should get the help they need. But as we deal with these people and the minefield that comes with being critical of them at all, which is an incredible thing. I saw, man, I wish... I should have taken note of who said this, but just know this is not my original thought. But I saw the most incredible thing the other day where a guy asked for someone to point him to a time in history where the book burners were the good guys. Right, yeah. And I thought, that is powerful. It's powerful. It doesn't exist. The Nazis were the book burners, right? The Marxists are the book burners. These tyrants are the book burners. Uh, they they legitimately erase your history. I mean, they're going after Dr. Seuss, right? They erase your history. They erase your culture. And they're not doing it because um, it's not willy-nilly, right? It's not a sudden impulse. This has been the long game being played the entire time where when they eradicate the current culture, they can build their own. Mm-hmm. And they build it the way they want it. And they're going to do it on the backs of people like you and me whose money they're stealing through big government programs. Uh, they took the election from us. There's just zero, zero argument in my mind 
that nefarious things were happening in the most recent election, and they'll use our money to eradicate our culture to build their own, and that's going to lead to just the acceptance of this absurdity of how crazy the world is. So that leads me to say that maybe cancel culture is that tumor of the cancer on the American culture because the cancel culture is a cancer. Progressivism is a cancer. This idea of we have to accept everyone rather than get them the health they need, that's a cancer. And I think cancel culture might be the tumor that indicates the problem and then allows us to treat it. And here's why I say that. This this is a quote from Piers Morgan, and I can't recall ever agreeing with him before. Maybe you could dig up a quote and I'd go, yes, I agree with that, but never do I recall saying, wow, Piers Morgan, wonderful. He says, quote, This cancel culture, this eradication of history, this rewriting of everything, this inability to allow or tolerate anything that you don't believe yourself, it's the antithesis of liberalism. It's the enemy of democracy, and it's got to stop. That's him on Fox and Friends from the Fox News Channel. And boy, howdy. Right on the nose there. By the way, it's the antithesis of classic liberalism. Let's not conflate it to you. Uh, that's not the modern-day liberal. This is the way the modern-day liberal believes. The modern-day liberal believes that if you speak in a way that offends others, you're the bad guy. Now, you can speak in truths. This is why they pushed the your truth thing for a hot minute, because they wanted us to believe that every individual was allowed to have their own quote-unquote truth. Yeah, where'd that go? Yeah. Well, Ben Shapiro, I thought, put an end to that and said, you know, you can you have opinions. You don't have your own truth. You have your own opinions, and that's okay. It's okay to have your own opinions. It's not okay to say you have your own truth and then expect us to treat it like it's the truth. We should be allowed to critique and criticize and pull that apart. But the modern liberal doesn't want that to happen. Well, I think it's a question of the means versus the ends. And what I mean by that is I think people think cancel culture is the end game. I think that cancel culture is the means to the end game, which is you can't think for yourself. You're not going to be allowed to think for yourself. If we, if we take away all the things that are your thoughts or opinions, because we say so, then what are you left with? You're going to be left with a whole lot of nothing. Mm. And so I think that's the overarching goal. And if you study communism, you'll see the pattern there. Yeah. I mean, look at what the Khmer Rouge did. Look at what Mao did. Lenin and Trotsky. Marx himself has, has basically described a pattern where the individual must be destroyed. Right. For the greater good, of course. For a mask up for the community. So, you know, I don't think, um, I don't, I feel like uh, everybody's dancing around that that part of this whole thing with cancel culture. We're almost there, but I feel like we're missing it by just a little bit. Meaning you think everyone that's part of cancel culture is no, I think subscribed I, to the Marxist ideology and they're trying to get there eventually? Um, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say they're subscribed to it. I, I think um, they're the useful idiots. Mm. I don't. I don't think they understand what the end game is. I got gotcha. you. I think they just go, "Oh well, I'm offended." Sure. So now, now we have all these different people that are offended by everything. By everything, someone somewhere will be offended by something, and that is a travesty. Yeah. 
in our in this day and age of culture that we are living through. Yeah. We, so it's creating this um, weird uh, sort of paradox where nothing is is going to be allowed because it might offend someone. Yeah. So it's so in other words, the the eventuality there is this like nothingness. And that, that might sound very like overly dramatic, but I mean that's what communism is. Well, yeah, and and I, that's exactly where my head was going. Was I think the great irony there is that the eventuality is controlled by the party. Sure. So what they're doing is convincing you that they're fighting against something, right? Like we're fighting against this big machine. And quite frankly, I say that the band Rage Against the Machine is a perfect example of this. They go out there and they want you to believe that they're anti-corporate America and they're anti, you know, all these big angry things, but they're pro-communism. They're pro-big government. They're pro-total totalitarian control of your life. Every little thing you do, you cannot have an opinion that the government does not agree with. That's what those guys are for. It's very easy to say that while you're making millions off the backs of capitalism. Right. With your Facebook ads. Yeah. Trying to promote your learn how to play guitar videos. Right. Yeah. And every comment, every time you see, what's his name? Tom Morello. Is that it? Every time you see one of those Tom Morello ads and you read through the comments, it's all about, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How does communism feel about you making a quick buck trying to teach people music? It's very, I've always thought that the entertainment industry is full of such incredible hypocrites. You know, the people of the world, uh, like the Tom Morellos and the Dave Matthews of the world, who want to tell you that the answer are people like Bernie Sanders, who believe in socialism, who believe in communism, who tell you that whatever it is you do should be done for the state, so that the state can take that money and distribute it to the people. But here they are doing their best for themselves. Sure. And... Certainly, I'm sure they're charitable people, and they. You know, I know Dave Matthews is a really charitable guy. They give a lot of money to a lot of good causes. I get all that. I get all that. But I wonder how you would ever justify saying, I'm wealthy and successful, and that's okay, but I think in the future, nobody should be allowed to pursue this passion because – under communism and socialism, you don't get a chance to pursue your passion. It's identified what you're good at at a young age, and you're assigned a position by the government, and you go out and you work that job, and the free market collapses. You're not allowed to go out and busk on the street corners if that doesn't help the state. I think there's a lot of millionaire rock and roll stars in communist countries that we just don't know about. That's why they all come from America. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it doesn't really exist. Like, you know, the best you do get. You think, do you think in a communist country they're going to let a band like Rage Against the Machine right. perpetuate their, right. you know, their Take it to their Cuba. ideology is? Take it to Cuba. They love Fidel. They love Che so much. They love Che. They idolize Che Guevara. Why aren't they residing in Cuba? Why aren't they down there doing whatever job they need to be doing to be helping... Cuba, because that's uh, the whole point here, right? The whole point is... Yeah, but Santa Monica's really nice this time of year. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. The whole point to them is that 
here's a political ideology that works if executed properly. Then go down there and help execute it properly. It's the closest thing you got. Bye. Yeah. Get on a boat and go the other way and pass the thousands of people coming toward you and ask them, why are you leaving? Where are you going? You fools. Take your guitar with you. Yeah, I'm sure it'll man. come in handy. And you're just terrible, terrible music where you keep yelling at everybody. <laughs> it's really not good. I don't understand the draw. Anyway. All right. Four, four chords in a scream, and you can play any Rage Against the Machine song. I don't really know why he's out there trying to teach people music. He can't play very well himself. All right. Uh, just so you know, by the way, if you're a gun owner, watch back. The Biden administration, according to foxnews.com, says it looks forward to working with Congress to strengthen the federal gun background check system and to implement, quote-unquote, common-sense steps to reduce gun violence, urging the House to pass two measures that would close existing loopholes in the system. This is, this is good. Here, the first loophole, by the way, first loophole that they have to close mm-hmm. is federal prosecution of gun crimes. Because yeah, I would start with that one for sure. They don't. Yeah. If you didn't know, the federal government does not prosecute federal gun crimes. What is it, like 98% of the time? Yeah. Some extraordinary number like that. Uh, anyway... Uh, the Office of Management and Budget saying in a statement, gun violence is a public health crisis. Here you go. Here it comes. This is how they'll do it. Gun violence is a public health crisis. Every day, gun violence, community violence, domestic violence, suicides, and mass shootings takes American lives and forever alters many more. Stop mass shootings every day in America. Mass shootings. Now, they get away with that by defining it, what, two or more people, right? I thought it was is four. It, is it four now? It's two or four. I, can't, I can never remember. Nah, they changed it. Used to be two and it became four, or Maybe. it was four and became two. Uh, they doctor the numbers to work in their favor. It doesn't matter too much. Um, but know this, by the way. Here's a stat to start with. About 97% of the time, anyone is killed. Anyone ever, 97% of the time, is killed by somebody they already know. Okay? So these are... Sometimes what you could call crimes of passion or whatever the case may be, uh, a lot of it is drug-related violence, um, which is terrible that lives fall apart that way, but that's not a reason to step on the rest of us. Anyway, they're going to call it a public health crisis. I'd love to see I'd love to see the stat that shows a mass shooting occurs every day in America. I can't believe that that every day in America let's just make let's make it two for the sake of argument. Every day somewhere every day in America, Two people are shot simultaneously and die. By a, by this, it has to be by the same shooter, right? If that were true, that's all you would ever see on the news. I would think so. I would think so. Anyway, uh, last year we saw record levels of homicides, according to the uh, OMB. We saw a record level of homicides in cities throughout our country, violence that disproportionately impacts Black and Latino communities. End quote. By the way. Second statistic you're going to want to hear for this. Um, It's something like 90% of the time when a black male dies, he's killed by another black male. It's always interracial, like uh, meaning inside. It's one race, same race, right? It's not black on white or white on black crime. It's not Latino on black or Latino on white. You're killed by someone you know who probably looks just like you look. Most likely looks like like you look same pigmentation, so 
Let's not act like it disproportionately affects the black community because of white gun owners. It disproportionately affects the black community because they disproportionately kill each other. That's the only way that can be true statistically. I, that's the only conclusion to be drawn is that they kill each other in greater numbers than the white community does, the black and Latino community. And that doesn't, that's not like a, that's not me saying they're any worse than us. It's just a statistical thing. It's just the truth. Okay. Um, Have you seen the, um, mm-hmm. the stats for Asian on black crime? No. It basically doesn't exist. Oh, really? Yeah. They don't kill each other, huh? Asians aren't killing blacks. Right. Yeah. Which is funny. Kind of strange how that yeah. works. And does it work the other way around? Doesn't happen at all? Oddly enough, no. It mm. uh, seems to be slanted. Yeah. There is There's a troubling statistic where when it is uh, cross-racial death, if you're white um, and, and, and you're killed by someone outside of your race. All right, hold on. I have to think about this for a second. Um, yes. Okay. If you look at... Number of times someone from one race kills another, 90% of the time uh, it's black killing a white, and then that other 10%, it's a, it's a white on black crime. There's some really troubling stats out there. Uh, Glenn Beck has a great book called Control. Uh, Dana Lash has a good book about gun violence in America. Uh, and then I want to say it's Katie Pavlich that's, I won't be able to find it now. It's behind me somewhere. Uh, no, she did the Fast and Furious. It doesn't matter. It's out there. You can read it. You can look it up. You can actually, if you go to the FBI's website and start looking for their crime statistics, you can actually see the breakdown by race, and they do this every year, and you can just go in and run the numbers for yourself. And you can find um, ucr.fbi.gov. That's it. Crime in the U.S. You can go by year. You can say um, what types of crime you're looking at, violent crime, property crime. Let's, you can look at homicides. We'll do it right now. Trends, murder, rates per 100,000 inhabitants, the types of weapons they use, the victim data, the offender data, uh, Victor, uh, the victim offender relationship, and on and on it goes. Um, and that'll, that'll kind of, I'll, I'll put a link right now on our Facebook page, but they'll kind of show you the stats of everything going on. And my whole point here is these people constantly race bait. They constantly look for ways to say, like we mentioned earlier with the COVID crap, this is us doing the best we know how to do for the people who need us right now. And uh, they're not. They're, they're exploiting blacks and Latinos uh, in a way that really is pretty disgusting because they want to advance whatever their agenda is, which is complete and utter control of your life and my life, the things we think and the things we do. Okay, uh, speaking of big government, by the way, holy cow, our Voda of the Week. Uh, it's a good one. I think you're going to like it. Let's do it right now. I'm an ambitious officer. One voter. Everybody knows the rules. I need to be a part of the 100 Club. The CDC is our vote of the week after it unveils guidelines for vaccinated Americans. What? Yeah. Including small gatherings with unvaccinated people. That's you and me, Hulon. All right. Have you been vaxxed? Nah. 
right. Nah, dog. Me neither. What's the movie I'm thinking of? Are you vexed? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Gladiator. Why do you appear so vexed? It's you and me. Vexed and vaxed. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> All right. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has issued an update on guidelines for Americans who've received their COVID-19 vaccinations. The New York Times reports that people who have been fully vaccinated are now able to safely hold small gatherings with other households, and they'll be able to do it without having to wear masks or enforce social distancing. Yay. I'm reminded of this moment tonight when I was uh, playing Legos with my boys, and they do this thing with their Legos where they set them up as a story, and then they tell you the story. So they don't even move the figures. They just set them up. And then when you come in, they go, okay, here's everything that's happening Same right now. Laid out. Yeah, it's really cool. And so I did one, and then I told this heroic story of the Mandalorian. Like, not the Mandalorian from Disney, but they have several Mandalorian figures. And so I told the story of the beheading of a stormtrooper by the Mandalorians because he grabbed the, the speeder. And my youngest son goes... Hit you with the slow clap. <laughs> yeah, it's like a slow clap. <laughs> I think he thought his brother would clap too, and then didn't, and then he didn't want to be rude and not clap at all, but he was also kind of disappointed that nobody joined in. I, I'm That's just imagining him this. looking up at you and going, all right, Dad, well, I'm going to go to bed now. I did learn. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of my room. I learned in the process, by the way. It is illegal to behead a stormtrooper. You go to jail for that. I didn't know that. I was just trying to be a good Mandalorian. Uh, all right, I think anyone who is excited over this is also the vote of the week. And the CDC for thinking anybody gives two hoots enough to not have small gatherings in their house or large gatherings if they please. Or or who hasn't, really. Right. Because that's, that's the funny thing about it to me is I don't know if I know anyone who hasn't been having gatherings of some sort. Or like yeah. you go back to Christmas, Thanksgiving. And the amount of people on social media who would chastise someone and then you could go back through their pictures and see them at some bar or with this, you know, huge group at Christmas or whatever. It's just kind of funny to me. Yeah. I mean, like, who are we kidding here? Who's not? Who's at this stage in the game? Right. We're we're one week shy of the anniversary of everything getting locked down. Are we really? So, who who at this point has has remained pure, right? And right. followed Doctor Fauci's guidelines right. to the T. Hopefully, nobody, because he's been wrong about everything. Yeah, well, all I mean, if it. you're making it up as you go, he's been wrong right? about all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that's, make it hard. That's one power hungry dude. Cashing a fat check to be wrong all the time. He's basically the world's highest paid weatherman. Weatherman, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And you know what's funny is doesn't it feel weird that you meet people and they gripe about the lockdown and you don't know how to tell them you never did? <laughs> you know, you're like, Oh yeah. Yes. It's been rough. Sure sucks for for you and me. It's been Yeah, it was it's really hard on on my family. We we didn't know what to do except be normal. We quickly 
stop doing business with places that were being crazy about it. You know? Well, I think that's the next big uh, thing that's going to happen is because you have all these states that are lifting the mask mandates and you have businesses that are saying, well, we're going to keep on doing it. Right. I think that's where you're going to start to see the rubber meet the road. People actually really voting with their wallets. Absolutely. Because now it's open, right? South Carolina is open again, pretty much. And nobody's going to do the mask anymore. Uh, Some people are. I get that. Like some people are, but I think the vast majority of people are going to be out there enjoying their life and going about their business. And they've now realized, A, if you do get it, you're most likely going to be fine. And then B, you just can't live this way. You can't live this way. You get, I think of think of all every bit of parenting advice to a child. Almost every bit of it could be tied back to don't live your life in fear. Right? Like, I get it. I get it. that's afraid. You're afraid of the dark. I get it. I get it. I'll leave a light on. But listen to me. There's nothing in your closet. We've already looked. Do not live your life in fear. Don't let it affect your sleep. There's nothing in there. Why are you afraid? You're, every little thing in life, you're constantly talking to your kids about don't live in fear. And now all of society is like a frightened four-year-old who watched a scary movie just before bed. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. It's all fake. It's all made up, you know. And not COVID's not all fake. I get it. There's been some real consequences from this disease. But the idea that it is tearing at our very existence because of it, like it's our undoing, isn't true. We're our own undoing. This mindset we've taken on is our own undoing. Well, I mean, to your point, it's not that COVID hasn't taken its toll. But if we were to believe the media and the Fauci's of the world, you would have legitimate piles of bodies in the streets. Right. The homeless population would be decimated. But isn't that how they win? We talked about this a long time ago. This is one of those arguments where everyone can prove how right they were. Sure. They'll tell us, they, you know, well, you know why 10 million people didn't die? We all locked down. We all wore masks. Well, I didn't lock down. I didn't wear a mask that often, you know, occasionally. Now, I, again, I want to reiterate something. I am completely okay with businesses asking for the masks. I think it's silly. I think it's unnecessary. But, but if you're a business and you want to do it, and I have to wear a face mask to go into your business, that's your right as a business. But I'm not going to do business with you. Like, I'm just going to say, okay, no big deal, but I don't need it. I don't need it. And so I find that kind of stuff, uh, I find us entering this phase now where everyone has tried to do that, right? And just like you said, now it's the tipping point. Now the government has said it's okay to lift those restrictions, but you still have some of these businesses going, well, we're still going to require it, and those people will scatter quick. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go somewhere where maybe the food's a little worse, but I don't feel like I have the freaking plague when I walk in to, to get a plate of food. Well, but don't you, don't you feel like it's a uh, it's also very convenient that this is happening after you've had Mississippi, uh, Texas, I think Connecticut. I think, right. Uh, maybe it was Montana announced today they were dropping it. So that, so you have the CDC almost following suit and kind of doing that thing like, oh, well, I mean, it, this was our idea all along. Right. You know, it has nothing to do with the fact that all these states are already basically going against our guidelines. Which I but, think. But yep, I think that. it's like, but I legitimately think 
even even the people in government know that that fatigue is setting in. Yeah. Like we're at a breaking point. Yeah. People can only take so much of this stuff. And and you know, I feel a little bit like this was an experiment to see how much they could get away with. Mhm. 100%. And now they know. Yeah. A year a year long into it now. I also think to add to your point that it proves how against Trump so many quote unquote red governors were too. Oh, sure. Because what's the difference? What is the difference? Um, declining daily cases, maybe. Okay. But everything that we have right now is the result of the work Trump was doing. It would have come to fruition no matter what. And the fact that these states put in their own restrictions and mandates, as Trump suggested they do, and then they quickly lift them when he's out of office and act like, oh, great, we're finally to this point. There's something really, really suspicious and fishy about all of that. All well, of that. You even look at the CDC's uh, graphics where they have a, a legitimate graph of cases um, per day over the span of this thing, you'll notice a sharp decline on Biden's inauguration day. Interesting. Um, there was a report that came out that same morning that essentially moved the goalposts, so to speak, mm-hmm. on the testing guidelines. Right. So you basically have to have like a double blind test before you can actually say someone has it. Whereas before that guy gets hit by a car on a motorcycle, COVID got him. Yep. You know, so, uh, the, the, the whole game changed, which I, I, you know, I'm not discounting what you're saying about the fact that, um, a lot of what was going on when Trump was in office, we're now reaping those benefits. Yeah. The vaccine, for example, if you want to credit the vaccine for it, well, wouldn't Trump get the credit for it? I mean, the, the, should he was at the helm when all that was going on and when it was first rolled out. Operation Warp Speed. I mean, that was all his doing. Yeah, it didn't suddenly come to fruition when Biden got, uh, you know, inaugurated. So, Well, and I would add to that, by the way, that I can – certainly remember Trump butting heads with all these people. Like he had, who was the lady doctor he had that he just kept, Burks. yeah, he just kept Burks. butting heads with her and Fauci publicly. And he was just like, these people are wrong. So it makes you wonder how many conversations were had behind the scenes where Trump was saying, why are we allowing men in Florida who die on a motorcycle to be counted as a COVID death? Why is this a thing? I'm telling you, I think it proves the deep state more than a whole lot else could. Publicly, and quite obviously, it proves that there are very, very powerful dark forces that were working. They just worked to maintain control, and that he wasn't going to let them, and they did everything they could over the last year to make sure he didn't didn't stick around. I think that's fair. Yeah. So he'll be back in 2024. (laughs) Like I don't know if you saw Kimmel, but uh, Kimmel was talking about the – uh, cancellation of the Dr. Seuss books, and Su- and he said, "You know, this is how Trump gets reelected, right? Like this kind of stuff is that ridiculous." So they see it coming. He's not wrong, not at all. Okay, that's a wrap on number one thirty-seven of the Felt Recall podcast. Thanks for being here. If you like what you hear, and we hope you'll subscribe, leave a review, and please, please, please 
tell a friend. Our downloads are growing every week. We certainly appreciate that. Appreciate the growth. We welcome you to reach out to us directly. Go to FeltRecoilShow.com. FeltRecoilShow.com. There's a contact us box. Just fill it out. We get your message. And uh, we'll read it and talk about it if it warrants um, the attention. Okay? If you want the attention, we'll give it to you. promise you that. All right. We'll see you back here in seven days for another episode of the Felt Recoil Podcast.